0: I'm Aaron Reynolds, and you're listening to Explain Like I'm Five on the Canada 2020 Network. The 2020 Network is brought to you by Interact. Interact connects everyone to the limitless possibilities of digital payments. Whether you are sending, receiving, or requesting money using Interact Debit to pay by card, phone, or smartwatch, or looking for a business payment solution, they provide fast, easy, convenient, and secure access to your own money. I like to think that I'm an intelligent guy. But I know way more about the Avengers than I do about how the country I live in works. And that's kind of a problem. So on this show, I'm inviting really smart people into the studio to explain stuff to me like I'm five. Today, I'm talking to Mike Moffat, who five years ago broke the tariff story that came to be known as the iPod tax. Mike knows way more about international trade than I do. In fact, when I think of tariffs, I think of those weird rubbery aliens with the flat-top hats from the Star Wars movie The Phantom Menace, who put a blockade of ships around Natalie Portman's planet. Mike, is The Phantom Menace an accurate reflection of how tariffs work?
1: Please don't get me to watch The Phantom Menace again. (laughs) I saw it opening night. I don't want to go through that, so I I really don't remember. Um, It's okay. I I won't make you watch it again. Okay, well, since you won't make me watch it again, I, I will be happy to answer your question about <coughs> uh, tariffs. So basically, a tariff is, is a tax on imports. So you bring something into a country, uh, you, you, you pay a tax on it. So you, you bring in an imported tricycle, let's say, from the United States, you bring it into Canada, you pay a tax on it. And that tax rate is going to depend on what the good is, and whether or not we have a free trade agreement with the country that uh, manufactured the good. Right. And so,
0: the the question then for me is, uh, what goes into deciding how much tax, and and who decides?
1: Okay, so first of all, there's a number of international agreements. I won't won't get too into the weeds on this, but it basically sets minimum standards that that, uh, countries who are signatories to that uh, agreement must fulfill. But otherwise, it's the government of Canada uh, that that sets those rights in Canada. Now, the first thing you have to do is is classify those goods, right? So because, as I mentioned, the tax rate is dependent on what the good is. So it starts with something called the Harmonized Commodity Description and Coding System that comes from the World Customs Organization. It's basically uh, a a worldwide organization that breaks goods down into 5,000 different headings. So that way, you know, we're defining, Canada's defining goods the same way France is and and Belgium is and South Africa uh, does, which helps facilitate international trade. Then... We take that uh, we we take that harmonized uh, system and we use it for something that we call the customs tariff. So you know this is uh, Canada's rules around tariffs, and it takes those five thousand headings and breaks it down into fifteen thousand categories of, of goods. This thing is like you know sixteen hundred pages. You know it's the size of a phone, a large city phone book. It's absolutely massive. So I'll give you an example of one of those. So I have a, a tricycle uh, here with me, and you have to sort of look up, you know, in the customs tariff uh, what what the tax is for a tricycle, and it falls under this category called wheeled toys designed to be ridden by children. <laughs> <laughs> And then, so it's all it's, it's 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 in this terrible legalese language, and this is going to get worse uh, before it gets better. So, wheeled toys designed to be ridden by children, and then in brackets, for example, tricycles, scooters, pedal cars, dolls, carriages. And then, you know, getting into the legalese, assuming we don't have a free trade agreement uh, with that country, it falls in, under something called the most favored nation, which you would think would be the best rate. It's actually the worst rate. Oh. It's, yeah, which, again, the, 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 uh, the joys of international trade and legalese. So that tax rate is is 8%, right? So it, this tricycle costs about 50 bucks. You bring it across the border. You're paying $4 in tariffs. You might be paying some other taxes too. But some of, some of these tariffs get, get really strange. So if you, you're bringing in apricots, uh, under uh, Canadian law, uh, normally there's no tariff. It's a 0% uh, tax rate or, or what they say is free uh, in, in the customs tariff. Except there's this clause where if it is imported during such a period specified by order of the Minister of Public Safety and Emergency Preparedness or the President of the Canada Border Service Agency, dot, 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 then it has a, a tax of 4.68 cents per kilogram, but not less than 10.5%.
0: Wait, wait. So if there's a national emergency, apricots cost
1: more. Apricots cost more. Now, I can't understand why there would be some kind of like, is it a general emergency or is it some kind of apricot emergency? I really don't know. Well, but I'm
0: sure there's some kind of story behind it, right? Like there was some reason that that got onto the books and who knows how long ago it got there or why it got there. And is it still relevant today?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like when you go somewhere and you see a weird sign, you, you know that that's like like don't dip your feet in the coffee, and you go like, why would they have a why would <laughs> they have a sign like their that?
0: Feet in the coffee, or
1: you know whatever. You, you when you see some like really bizarre do not instruction, like you get a product manual and you'll be right. like, don't don't put the CD in the toaster. You know the only reason why they have that is that somebody put the CD in the toaster and. uh Uh, You know, something happened. So a lot of that's actually
0: uh, sorry to interrupt. I was just thinking of a story about uh, uh, linseed oil, Uh, somebody who came to uh, a factory where they make linseed oil and he was learning the process for making linseed oil and everybody was following the steps that were written out. And the final step was throw a small slice of onion into the vat. And he was looking at it. It was this massive vat. The small slice of onion can't have, like, a functional effect on, like, the makeup of the linseed oil. And so he asked around. And nobody knew why they were putting the slice of onion in. And it turns out when he did some research, that was how, in the days before accurate thermometers, they measured that the oil was boiling, right? Because you could watch the onion cook. Now they have thermometers, to measure when the oil is boiling, but because nobody thought to stop putting the onion in the linseed oil, there was still always a slice of onion put into the linseed oil.
1: Yeah, I think it shows that these these legacies are important. So, if anybody's listening and knows why we have this emergency, emergency clause apricot- for, for yeah. apricots, could they could they please let us know? Because I, I am completely puzzled by this. So I, I wanted to I wanted to
0: ask about the the number of categories because if you had told me there were twenty categories. You know, that would make sense to me. Is this food or is this a machine? You know what I mean? Like just nice, big, broad categories that can't be argued with. But when you say there's 15,000 categories, I, like I wonder how that is functional. Like it sounds like a system designed to provoke arguments.
1: Well, well, exactly. It, it, it's almost a system designed by lawyers for lawyers <laughs> uh, to make lawyers wealthy. So, so – <laughs> So so the answer is in part yes, uh, that there's all kinds of dispute. And we have a, a, a Canadian International Tax Tribunal, the CITT, uh, which adjudicates these disputes because, because the government may argue one way that a, a good should fall into a certain category, whereas a company would argue, an importer would argue, a different category. And these things matter because the tax rates can be different. So I'm going to give you a couple examples of goods here. So the first one is an espresso maker with a built-in grinder. It could either be a coffee maker and taxed at or have an import tariff of 9%, or it could be an electromechanical domestic appliance with a self-contained electric motor taxed at 0%.
0: Right, and so I can see why we would want to argue that it is not a coffee maker. Now, do you argue that it's not a coffee maker, or do you argue that it is...
1: Well so the the importer would say well no because uh, coffee and first of all coffee and espresso are two different things and secondly this comes with a built-in grinder so, so basically, you know, and this was sort of taxpayer money on the CITT to run the CITT to, to basically have this almost existential argument of whether or not coffee or espresso are the same thing. Right. And it turns out that according to the uh, tax tribunal, coffee and espresso, in fact, are the same thing. And as, as such, uh, the company had to pay the higher 9%, uh, 9% tariff.
0: There you go. You you heard it here, people. Coffee, espresso. Canadian law says they are the same.
1: Well, at least at least uh, a tax or tariff <laughs> law. There so the uh, well for for some other for some other laws they may be completely different. So here's here's my uh, next one. Um, these are, are are things for children. Items for children. Um, you can Call them bouncy seats or something like that. There's three of them. There's the rainforest jumperoo the Rainforest Bouncer, or the Newborn newborn to Toddler Rocker. These are all uh, things made by Mattel. Uh, they're all things that you would put your baby in. So are they considered seats? Because they're kind of a thing that uh, a baby could sit in. And if they are, depending on which item it was, the tax would be about anywhere from 8 to 9.5%. Or are they toys, right? Because there's an entertainment quality to them. If they are toys, under the particular tariff category for toys that that they would fall under, uh, they would be taxed at 0%. They basically come in free. So it's my question to you, is it a seat or is it a toy? And how would you know? That's
0: hard. Um, We had not those specific models, but for our children, we had one of those, and we called it Uh, The neglectotron, because we could put the child in it and he would be amused for at least 15 minutes so that we could go do a thing or have a moment of quiet. So um, that makes me sound like a terrible parent. But uh, so I'm going to say a toy. Because it amused the child, yeah. Is that?
1: Yeah, and you're you're exactly on the the right track here. So so basically, this is this, like a quiz show. This is a, yeah. this absolutely is is like a quiz show. So basically, what, what happened at, at the tax tribunal was uh, they they brought in uh, a guy from the University of Ottawa, Doctor uh, Christopher Fennell, uh, associate uh, professor. And I hope he's listening because I w- I would love to talk to this guy at some point and uh, you know find out if if this is something he normally does, gets involved in. But basically, they he. He's an expert on co- infant cognitive development, right? So basically, how do infants think? And he uh, he had to testify. He basically had to figure out whether or not an infant could be amused by it. The same word you use, because basically, uh, he, he 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 testified that in fact. Uh, That uh, a kid, a a toddler, an infant could could be said to um, this item could be said to amuse infants or children. He went on to say, past the age of six months, I would be comfortable saying that these objects could provoke amusement at that higher level of smiling and laughing. So because (laughs) because this seat could make a child smile or laugh. Um, now it's a toy. M- now it's a toy, and Mattel won their case, and these things 100%. are allowed to come in right. tariff free. So that's you know that kind of shows that there are you know even though you have fifteen thousand categories, you would think okay, well that could kind of classify everything, and it should be clear. Uh, these things these things aren't clear at all, and uh, you know these these are large disputes. And again, you know, when you're importing millions and millions of dollars worth of product,
0: right? That that even a percentage point difference makes a makes a big difference to your bottom line as a company.
1: Okay. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, it makes a yeah it makes a bottom line to your company and it makes a bottom line to your to your profit margins, and particularly, a lot of this is retroactive, right? So you you import these products, you you bring them in under a certain tariff code. Um oh. and then decide what to mark up and then yeah. afterwards the government said, No, 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 actually it should be X and you owe us more money. You know, that can really, you know, that can really jeopardize with
0: your year. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I, I gotta I gotta you were quizzing me, I'm gonna quiz you. Um R2 D2. He fixes spaceships, he also serves drinks, and arguably also amuses children. Where does R2 D two fall?
1: Well, this is particularly complicated because first we would have to figure out where he would fall uh, in the sort of tariff classification. Is, right. is he a toy... Possibly, uh, you know, is, is he wanna Is he a domestic, domestic appliance, appliance with a with a motor? With, yes, yeah. 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 He so can, can, can he grind coffee? Yeah, uh, I'm sure he, he can. He, he yeah. probably could. Yeah, he's got that little cutting wheel. Yeah, yeah. But this is where it gets even more complicated uh, because there's uh, special provisions in in the customs tariff. They're basically override pr- provisions. So you thought this was complicated before. It gets even more complicated that after you figure out the tariff code, there might actually be an override provision allowing you to to, uh, bring it in at a different tax rate. And for R2-D2, the question would be, is R2-D2 considered a computer part because he could plug into a computer and interface with the computer? Right, because he can do that. Exactly. And there's a special uh, provision uh, in the Canadian tax code, this uh, 9948 provision that goes back to the 1980s. It goes back to Mulroney. And the idea was... They wanted Canadians to be able to to access computers and computer parts from around the world because it would help with productivity, et cetera, et cetera. But then you get into these existential questions of whether or not uh, something is a computer part. So when I wrote the piece on iPod tax, and that that came out of some tariff changes that the Harper government made five, five years ago, uh, that they were uh, raising they they were raising uh, the tariff rates on products from China, which would have included MP3 players and and, and iPods. Uh, so I wrote this piece, and basically the finance department came out and said, that, no, "Well, no, Mike, you're wrong. I mean, you got the classification right, but because this item plugs into a computer." Right, it's uh, it's, a, it's a it's a okay. computer part and there's this override provision and you know it should be able to come in tax free and uh you know i I remember you know I was getting calls from Flaherty's office i you know i got an email from the p m o you know i, I get home <laughs> it was a really surreal day I get home and I'm watching this panel. I get I get home and I get a call saying you got to turn on Power and Politics. So I'm like okay, okay, fine. And I had my daughter who was I think two at the time with me, and we're watching Power and Politics, and they were basically arguing like whether or not I was completely full of crap. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was it was a surreal moment. So, you know, and to be honest, I wasn't even entirely sure because I'm like, well. Maybe. I mean that that sounds strange. Like I knew about the I knew about the provision, but it hadn't occurred to me that anybody would try to argue that an iPod would was be a computer, computer part. part. Yeah. It, you know, and they were making the government was making the argument uh, well, it it can plug into a computer, therefore it's a computer part. And my thinking was, well, it can't be that simple because I can plug my car into a computer. Like any, right. any car that's going right. back to the mid-1990s by law. Yeah, that's uh, how you do your diagnostics is, and all that Yeah, kind of exactly. Stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I, I don't think I can start bringing in Honda's duty-free because if I can, that would that would That would be, be awesome. That would yeah. be awesome. I'm going to start a car dealership. Yeah. Well, it turned as it turned out, there was a case before the tax tribunal at the very same time where a bunch of importers uh, like Walmart, Panasonic, Sony, and so on, they were importing TVs uh, made abroad and trying to use this provision, saying, "Well, it's a TV; you can plug it into a computer computer because you know basically these days there's no real difference between a TV and a monitor. Therefore, it's a computer part." And the Canada Border Services Agency, which again is part of the government, was arguing the opposite side. So you had this weird, and it shows the complexity of this. That on the one hand, you had the finance department saying, "No, no, no," you know, just be, or the finance department saying, "Well, if you can plug it into a computer, it's a computer part." saying this on national television to, to sort of uh, go after my article. But at the same time, you have another arm of the government, the, the Canada right. Border Services Agency, basically saying, that's a nonsense argument. Just because you can plug something into a computer doesn't make it a computer part. Uh, you know, so what, <laughs> what ended up happening was uh, that all the uh, electronics importers, basically the government backed off. Uh, Realized that they kind of shot their own case in the foot and, and backed off and returned all the money It was like twenty three million dollars wow. or something you know so uh, to these companies, but it shows the complexity of it when the government itself often doesn 't even agree on the rules that so you can have the finance department you know interpreting the rules one way and uh, the border services agency who actually you know collects the revenue at, at the border and enforces rules. Uh, you know, interprets it a completely different way. So it, it makes it hard. Uh, you know, it, it makes it hard if you're a business person or somebody importing something from the border when you don't entirely know how these things are going to be interpreted.
0: So then, my next question is this: uh, the purpose of a free trade agreement like NAFTA then is to simplify this, right? Is that the is that the entire goal of that kind of agreement? Like
1: Lar- largely, yeah. So it's basically to knock all these tariff rates uh, down to zero, uh, and it's a, it, it, you know it's kind of a you scratch my back, I'll, I'll scratch your back. That, that that if you allow my goods to come in tariff free, I'll allow your goods to come in tariff free with with a, with a bunch of exceptions. Yeah, of and we, we yeah. we've heard you know about supply management and other agricultural commodities. And a, please a let's of, talk more about supply. <laughs> yeah, yeah, management. Yeah, we, <laughs> I think that's a whole whole other show, but yeah. but th- but that's the idea. And the, uh, free trade agreements go beyond tariffs and have a lot of other stuff around uh, labor mobility and things like that. But on the tariff side, that's the idea that uh, you simplify the system, you knock down taxes, you get get rid of get rid of that red tape least in theory uh that you 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 end up stimulating two-way trade and that happened under under both the canada u.s free trade agreement and then under nafta that our trade volumes first with the united states and then with with mexico you know went up substantially so that they did work in that sense as intended that you knock those tax rates as much as possible down to zero um then uh, you know then you make it easier for Canadians and Americans or Canadians and Mexicans to trade back and forth and, and, and they will and and, and you know and then that's good for everybody. Yeah, it's good for idea. everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So that begs the question then. I, I recently bought
0: a Star Trek uniform. I know we were talking about Star Wars before. Um listeners, I like both of them. Don't at me. I also own a Han Solo Hoth parka. You know so I, I bought this uniform and when it came across the border I actually ended up paying nearly as much in uh, duties and taxes as I did for the uniform itself, so how does that how does that fit in with because we do in theory we're still part of
1: NAFTA, right yeah, yeah, yeah. it's still enforced despite what you might read in the paper's yeah. it's, it's still a thing yeah, so how does that how does that work? Yeah, so there, there's a few things going on. Uh, a few things going on there. The, the first is some of those things are uh, those taxes that you've got assessed were nothing to do with tariffs. It would have been sales taxes and, and, and other true, things yes. like that that, yeah. that you would have paid uh, domestically. There might have been some shipping charges, a or brokerage fee, brokerage yes. fee, yes. all of those things. Uh, but on the tariff side, and, and I, I think this is where people get a little bit confused. Tariffs aren't based on where where you're importing something from. So it's not that like okay, I bought this from a company in Michigan, therefore it falls under NAFTA. What matters is who produced the good, right? So you know, was this an American made? Uh, was this an American made good or, or not an American made good? So so that determines you know can you. Can you apply basically apply for NAFTA protection? You know, is is your your Star Trek uniform a, an American product or was it made in China or, or someplace? Else? Right. And here's where it gets complicated. So let's let's look at uh, this this tricycle uh, that that I brought in. I, I
0: like this. I like that we're doing explain like I'm five. And that you brought something for a five year old. Yeah.
1: So now I don't have to ride the tricycle as part of you, this. You, you, well, you, you could, but uh, we'll save that for video. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll save good. that for but for audio. Yeah, I don't, I don't think okay, that's yeah. going to work. But so we've got we, we've got we've got this tricycle, fifty dollar tricycle. Um, normally the tax rate would be eight percent. It would be about four bucks to bring it over. Well, let's say we we want to get NAFTA protection on. it. Let's say okay this, you know the, this was this was manufactured in the United States. But what does it mean, you know, again, more sort of existential questions. And that's, I think, part of why I like international trade and tariffs is just it's a series of existential questions. <laughs> what does it actually mean for something to be manufactured in the United States, right? Because you, lo- you look at this tricycle, it's got a lot of different parts, right? It's, it's, got, it, it's got the wheels, it's got the handlebars, it's got the paint, all of those come, could come from different places. So you, you know it might have been assembled in the United States, but that doesn't necessarily mean that every single part comes from the United States or from Canada or Mexico because they're in NAFTA as well. Right. Some of these parts could come you know from the Philippines, from China, from India, someplace else. So to complicate things even further, there's this whole series of rules uh, in trade agreements called rules of origin. That they basically determine whether or not something – you can apply for NAFTA tariff protection on something. But the idea is basically what is the percentage of value of the parts and the sort of value add uh, when you put this thing together, right? Right, okay. And that's one of the big disputes going on right now in NAFTA, Um that when you uh, when you assemble a car in a NAFTA zone, depending on whether or not it's a car or a truck, um, you need to achieve like sixty to sixty-five percent NAFTA parts co- uh, content. Okay, so got you it. can you yeah, can yeah. you can bring in you can you, you know the the airbag could have been made in Japan, but just you know in other parts, you know the tires could come from China, et cetera, et cetera. But so long as your your overall production doesn't cross a threshold. You can count it as an NAFTA pro- uh, product,
0: right? And so, this the value of the parts becomes important, right? Because yeah, th- if you have the cheap parts made outside and then the expensive parts made inside, then it still counts
1: as well. Exactly, yeah. That 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 that's exactly it, right? So you you kind of see that, and that's basically what what happens is that the lower value parts tend to be you know imported from places like the Philippines and, and places like that, whereas the higher end stuff tends to be in North America. Um, so the Trump administration is wanting to, to raise that. Well, first of all, they wanted to have a specific carve-out that a certain percentage would have just had to be made in America, like 50%, which is obviously contentious because obviously the Canada and the United States aren't going to like that. But if we even put that aside, they were trying to raise that 62% to 85%, right? They're wow, saying, okay, okay, yeah, so yeah. so that's huge. So you would think, well, on the one hand you know trump might have a point in the sense that well if you raise that threshold auto companies are going to uh you know they're they're going to be able to buy fewer parts from from india and japan and the philippines so they would have to buy those parts domestically creating jobs right but on the other hand if you get too uh, particular about about this if you get to like if you make the rules too strict at some point you go well why wouldn't i just import the whole car from korea
0: because right, if i'm already paying the duty if
1: i'm already paying the duty i might as well just just, just buy the car from korea go through the red tape ones rather than trying to figure out you know where all my suppliers and sub suppliers are, are so it's right, like so the danger is that
0: you'll if you go too far in one direction, instead of encouraging production, you'll actually just move the production out.
1: Yeah, okay. exactly. Or or you'll uh, advantage your, your uh, foreign competitors. So, so that's right. what's going on here. So when we think about free trade, there is a simplification element to it, but only to a point. And we're basically swapping out a bunch of taxes for a bunch of rules of origin <laughs> and, and other things. So you know I, I i and i joke but it, it, you know it really does feel like some days you know it, this is a system designed uh, to to make lawyers and consultants and custom brokers right. uh wealthy you know not you know more more than anything else because this stuff is so complicated and it feels like once you address something you know one thing in a free trade agreement you have to come up with a, another set of rules about it. it's like okay well if i'm going to allow american stuff to come in tariff free I have to have all these rules determining. Okay, well, what is a, an American product or what is a NAFTA product? And these things get incredibly complicated. Right. Wow. All right. So I have one last question for you. Um,
0: why? Why do we do this? Why did the trade federation do this to the peaceful citizens of Naboo? Like, what is the what is the ultimate end goal here? Why do we do this?
1: Well, there, there's three reasons, and again, I, I'm refusing to watch *Phantom Menace*, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna pull this back to uh, a Canada-U.S. Or, or or NAFTA type discussion. Don't you
0: like Jar Jar Binks? Everybody
1: likes. Jar Oh, Jar every, everybody loves right. Jar Jar. Yeah, no, 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 I don't. And if we could raise the tariffs on, on Jar Jar. <laughs> Jar, Jar Binks, <laughs> I, I I would be all for that, but
0: he amuses children.
1: Yeah, but, yeah, that 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 is true. So he could come in tariff free. We're we we're, we're going to have to have that cognitive scientist in here <laughs> to let us know if Jar Jar Banks is is amusing to infants. Uh, so there's basically three reasons, and I think I think they sort of explain you know what what Trumps is doing, but also Trudeau's response. Uh, The first is to just raise money, right? It's a tax. So that that tax, the tariff is a tax, and that money goes to the government like any other tax. Uh, you know the uh, American government is running a massive deficit, as uh, you know, around six percent of of GDP. They need money, so I think that actually tends to get a little bit overlooked in this discussion of what Trump is doing—not just Canada, but China and other countries. It's, it's it's a tax. It's a tax paid by domestic consumers, um, and we we should never forget that. That you know when we. When us in Canada, when we import products and pay pay the tariffs, it's Canadians paying it, right? We're paying the tax. It's not the foreigners paying the tax.
0: Right, we're paying the tax, and our government is collecting it and then using it for Canadian things.
1: Canadian things, okay. yeah. yeah, exactly. So, the second thing, uh, which is what Trudeau's doing right now, uh, is it's known as countervailing. So, the idea is that, like, if you're putting tariffs on me, I'm going to put tariffs on you. So, kind of a you know, almost kind of like a nuclear kind of uh, arms race, kind of uh, kind of kind of thing. So, but the third thing is to, in theory, protect domestic industry. So that's what Trump is talking about with steel and aluminum. He's worried, or so it goes. Again, the the Trump story changes every day depending on you know whether or not he's been on Twitter and but but the the original story is that well look. Um, We want to protect the the domestic steel and aluminum industries in the United States because if there was some kind of war or something, we want to make sure we have access to to this. And if our industries become too dependent on Chinese imported steel or Canadian imported steel and then something happened at the border that could put us – put us at, at risk so that's a national security argument but it's not always about national security so go go to the tricycle argument you know we could just say well you know we're going to put a tariff on tricycles because there's a bunch of domestic tricycle uh manufacturers right we, and, you know, and if
0: somebody else comes in with a much cheaper tricycle we could put our entire tricycle producing industry out of business and then we wouldn't make tricycles in canada
1: anymore. yeah, ex- yeah. Ex- exactly and that you know we, we don't want to talk about supply management but that's a sort of a sort of whole argue around right. uh, dairy uh, and and egg tariffs and those kinds of things. And, you know, and again, part of that could be defensive is saying, well – You know the reason why potentially the reason why foreign tricycles might put domestic tricycles out of business is because those foreign tricycles are being subsidized by their government one way or another. Right. So you know it's very sort of it's like yeah we're protectionist but we're protectionist because you know these other countries aren't fighting fair and are trying to dominate the worldwide (laughs) tricycle uh, industry tricycle cabal. Yeah, but 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 that's just an, 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 an economist. Generally speaking. Uh, will uh, advocate for the elimination of, of tariffs. Ideally, uh, you know, ideally in a quid pro quo sense, but even um, you know, even unilaterally, because these things are damaging. Uh, you know, we, we've talked, we've joked about the red tape, but that's very real, uh, and that that affects particularly small businesses that don't have the resources to deal with uh, you know figuring out. Okay, well, it was you know forty nine percent or fifty one percent of this this product made made somewhere else, so. Right. Yeah, so it's you know I kind of joke. it's it's like everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody's in a rush to get there. That's essentially where we are with <laughs> with, with, with tariffs. It's like we all want tariffs to be eliminated, but for all of these sort of practical concerns, right, we they, don't want to get there right away. Okay, and that's, that, that's essential where we are with this.
0: Well, thanks, Mike. I feel I feel like I understand things a lot more than I did. I'm still not sure about the motivations of the Trade Federation in Star Wars, but uh, I, I think I understand it as it applies to our own country a little bit more clearly. Uh, thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. The 2020 network is brought to you by Interact. Interact connects everyone to the limitless possibilities of digital payments. Whether you are sending, receiving, or requesting money, using Interact Debit to pay by card, phone, or smartwatch, or looking for a business payment solution, they provide fast, easy, convenient, and secure access to your own money.